1: Hi, I'm Erica Pandey, and welcome to Axios Recap, where we dig into one big story. It's Friday, October 29th, and we're focused on college legacy admissions. College admissions are theoretically based on high GPAs, test scores, and strong admissions essays. But there's another way students get accepted into elite universities. That's through legacy admissions. That's when wealthy students with alumni parents and grandparents get admitted to universities through their connections rather than merit alone. Legacy admissions have significantly impacted diversity at top-tier institutions, so colleges and universities are slowly doing away with them. At Notre Dame, for example, legacy admits outnumber black admits 5 to 1. And then at Harvard, 77% of legacy admits are white. Could we see more top-tier universities close this side door for wealthy students? In a moment, Axios reporter Felix Salmon on Legacy Admissions.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify.
1: And we're joined now by Axios' chief financial correspondent, Felix Salmon, who's been reporting on Legacy College Admissions. Hey, Felix. Hi, Erica. So Felix, let's start with this. How did Legacy Admissions start?
2: It's a club, right? Universities are very clubby places, and so they were like, oh, Fred's kid wants to come. And Fred was great, so we'll let Fred's kid in. And it just kind of spiraled from there.
1: And how do universities benefit from these legacy admissions beyond just growing the club membership?
2: Well, I mean, that's the weird thing, right, is it doesn't grow the club membership. If Fred's family is part of the club, then in a weird way, what it does is it keeps the club more exclusive it keeps the club smaller it minimizes the number of families who are part of this amazing club but yes the way they benefit is if you have a bunch of rich families who all send their kids to Yale and they keep on sending their kids to Yale and it becomes part of the family then generation after generation they will be donating their money to Yale and not to any of the other colleges that they might otherwise have gone to so Yale gets to capture much more of that wealth.
1: But some universities are starting to phase out legacy admissions, right? Why are they doing that and and which are the ones that are doing it?
2: I haven't seen anyone phase it out. They either just abolish it or they don't. A lot of them have abolished it. University of California, University of Georgia, MIT, Caltech, Johns Hopkins, most recently Amherst. They all just woke up one morning and said, basically, this is incredibly racist. We shouldn't do it. And so they stopped.
1: Yeah, I wanted to ask you about, this is one of the big examples of institutional racism. Why is that?
2: The rich white families have had privileged access to the bastions of higher education for decades, if not centuries. And so it's naturally they who reap the benefits of legacy admissions. If you're a first generation immigrant to America, then by definition, you're not going to get a legacy admission. If you are the first person in your family to go to college, then by definition, you're not going to get the benefit of a legacy admission. All of those kind of people lose, and the people who gain are the grand old families.
1: Do we have any numbers on how stark this effect actually is?
2: So look at what happened at Texas A&M before it abolished legacy admissions. In 2002, there were 321 white students who were admitted to the university just because of the legacy ties. Number of black students was three. If you look at Johns Hopkins, when they had legacy admissions, they accounted for about 12.5% of the entire class. Now, they don't have legacy admissions. People still you know, want to go to the same school that their dad did or whatever. That 12.5% has gone down to 3.5%. Meanwhile, the number of students, like underrepresented minorities, doubled basically from 12% to 23% in just seven years. So you can have really big effects. Look at Harvard, 77% of legacy students, students, students are white. It's, yeah, it's pretty stark, some of these numbers.
1: One thing that's interesting in your reporting is you're showing legacy admissions going to white students versus students of color. Some of these institutions have already admitted students of color that are now old enough to have kids. Do those kids benefit from legacy admissions or is it overwhelmingly white students?
2: It's overwhelmingly white students. It's not entirely white students, right? So at Harvard, you have 5.5% or so of legacy admissions going to Hispanic students. Like There are even black students who benefit from legacy admissions at Harvard. It does happen. It just doesn't happen nearly as much.
1: What are these universities saying about legacy admissions when they decide to get rid of them?
2: They're saying that it's Deeply unfair, and that it really violates the role of the university in a democracy, which is to be this sort of leveling force and to provide education without sort of fear or favor to any one group. And privileging that one group, it just doesn't seem morally correct. Now, I will hurry to add that the universities with legacy admissions don't say this. Like, once you've abolished it, you can stand on the moral high ground and say legacy admissions are terrible. What you don't find so much is all of the universities that still have legacy admissions, making the same argument. And my favorite quote that I found for my story came from Larry Summers, who you might remember used to be the Treasury Secretary, almost the Federal Reserve Chair, terribly important economist, both of his uncles were Nobel Prize winning economists, you know, he's definitely part of that educational elite. And he was at a Wall Street Journal conference a few years ago when he was the president of Harvard. And he said, quote, Legacy admissions are integral to the kind of community that any private educational institution is. So there you go. That's the Larry Summers view.
1: We've talked a little bit about horizontal legacy admissions when you want the younger sibling to get in. That might be a way for people of color to benefit from this. Is horizontal legacy admissions as popular?
2: No one knows. This is one of the great mysteries about legacy admissions. It's like, how do they work? There's definitely a feeling among graduates of universities, that if all you are is the graduate of a university, and you want your kid to get into that university, then being a legacy will help at the margin. But what you should really do is start donating money to the university. And then the combination of donating money and being a legacy will be even more effective. So this whole question of do universities like put their fingers on the scale to favour the families who have been donating to the university is actually a separate question. And that could continue to happen. Now, obviously, the people who donate to the university are overwhelmingly alumni of that university. So if they still wind up privileging the people who donate then that could still be a form of sort of quiet legacy admissions, even if legacy admissions themselves have officially been abolished. But in terms of the siblings, normally when you're talking about siblings, it's way too early to have much in the way of donations from the sibling who's gone there. So that effect is going to be basically invisible.
1: Right. I wanted to ask you about the other ways money works here. I mean, Varsity Blues was a huge deal in college admissions, and that didn't have anything to do with legacy. It was about the other side doors that money opens where are we on fixing those
2: oh nowhere like money's will still open any number of doors if you are extremely rich if you are the kid of some billionaire it's amazing how many doors will open to you you know Look at how Jared Kushner got into Harvard, for instance, right? Like, being rich enough will get you in anywhere, whether or not you have family who who went to that institution. And legacy admissions is, at the margin, certainly going to reduce the number of, like, you know, mediocre rich kids who get into exalted institutions. But it's not going to reduce it to zero. There's lots of ways they can still get in.
1: Should we expect more universities to get rid of legacy admissions in the future?
2: Absolutely. It seems to be a unidirectional movement here. That Lots of universities who have legacy admissions wind up abolishing them, but I've never seen a university that abolished them bring them back. So the number who have abolished can only go up. It will never go down.
1: Axios' is chief financial correspondent and author of the Axios Capital Newsletter, Felix Salmon. Thanks, Felix. Thanks, Erica. Welcome back. Here's another trend we're watching today. Makeup companies have started going after men and telling them that there's nothing inherently feminine about wanting to cover a blemish or look your best for a date. The U.S. men's personal care market is expected to swell from $47 billion in 2019 to nearly $78 billion by 2027, according to Grandview Research. That includes hair and skin care and increasingly makeup. We're seeing legacy beauty brands like Chanel and Givenchy coming out with men's makeup lines. And we're seeing whole new startups that sell makeup just for men and men only. Watch this space keep growing. That's all for today. I'm Erica Pandy. Thanks for listening. And we're back Monday with another Axios Recap.